GST promises. We're going to get rid of the sales tax for a full year and reduce it to 3% in the second year. The B.C. Liberals' big commitment and what it could mean for your bottom line. COVID classroom frustration. If there's a positive test anywhere, we feel that we need to know. Parents take matters into their own hands as exposures add up. And the latest frightening incident in Strathcona. Who's threatening and chasing people with a chainsaw. Why the suspect is being released and how residents plan to fight back. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with a major election promise the BC Liberals are hoping will be a game changer. A one-year elimination of the provincial sales tax and a sharp reduction the year after that. Richard Zussman has more on the ambitious pledge and the reaction. It impacts almost everything we buy, from booze to clothing to cars. And now the B.C. Liberals are promising to get rid of the provincial sales tax for a year if they are elected. This economy calls for bold action. And the bold action we are putting together today is to reduce provincial sales tax to zero in the first year. The provincial sales tax is currently 7%. The B.C. Liberals would then lower the rate to 3% in the second year, the B.C. Liberals estimating the province will cost $6.88 billion in the first year in lost revenues. In year two, revenues would drop nearly $4 billion. The NDP and leader John Horgan are expected to reveal their economic plan in the coming days. Mr. Wilkinson makes uh, promises about taxes. Historically, they've been promises for those in, that are wealthy and well-connected. The Liberals are estimating a family of four earning $120,000 a year will save an average a $1,714 in the first year and $979 in the second year. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation says this will benefit even those who make the least. If you're lower income and you're living paycheck to paycheck, that means that you're spending everything. And almost all the stuff that you're spending on has PST tacked onto it. The PST will still apply to cannabis, vape-related products, and luxury cars. The Business Council of British Columbia previously called on the province to cut the PST in half as part of economic recovery. It's actually really good news given the economic circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, we believe and I believe it will provide a, a lot of stimulus at a time when some additional stimulus is, is much needed. As for how the Liberals will cover the cost, they say it will be part of a growing deficit and are committing to not cut the budgets for the health and education ministries. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, tax cuts, spending promises. How much is the pandemic influencing the campaign announcements uh, we've heard so far? It's changing everything. We'd never, we don't even have a conversation about eliminating the, the provincial sales tax in the middle of an election campaign were it not for the pandemic. Uh, the argument against doing that, of course, you blow a giant hole in the budget and tip it into deficit. Well, guess what, folks? Our, we're already have giant holes in our budget, and we're not going to balance the books anytime soon. Take a look at the current situation regarding the B.C. government books. First of all, you go back a couple months to the announcement, $7.7 billion in new pandemic spending since the pandemic began, over and above what was in the budget. Almost $5 billion 
in lost revenue. These are massive numbers and a record $12.8 billion budget deficit. So when you add the Liberals' number to this, it's actually about uh, less than half of what the NDP deficit is. It just simply increases it by another six and a, six, almost $7 billion. So we're in a situation where we're already at $13 billion deficit. The BC Liberals obviously gambling that adding to the deficit is, uh, is worth the gamble if it turns into political votes for them come uh, October 24th. Like I say, extraordinary times, and you're going to see extraordinary promises coming from all the parties. And we're only into week two. All right. Thanks for that, Keith Baldry in Victoria. NDP leader John Horgan spent the day split between Victoria and Richmond. His major focus today on the campaign trail, health care, sitting down with Richmond City Councillor Carol Day, whose mother suffered from three different types of cancer but benefited from CT scans and immune therapy. Horgan started his day on the island where he promised more health care funding, vowing to cut wait times and promising to add more MRI machines. We have in Victoria the first for the first time a, a, a PET scanner for cancer treatments so that people, thousands of people, no longer have to leave Victoria to go to Vancouver to get this important imaging work done so they can get early diagnosis, early treatment and better outcomes. And BC Green leader Sonia Firstineau spent time in downtown Vancouver today announcing candidates for the election. Firstineau says she'll be introducing her platform sometime this week as well, promising to ensure a safe and sustainable community. The Green leader reiterated her disapproval of having an election in the midst of a pandemic and called Wilkinson's promise of eliminating the PST for one year irresponsible. For Andrew Wilkinson to trot out the tired old tale of the politician on the campaign trail saying, I'm going to promise you tax cuts, is an example of not only unimaginative policymaking, but irresponsible. Well, Wednesday is the deadline for Vancouver's homeowners to pay their property tax bills. But a new report by nonpartisan group Step Up has found the city has not only the highest property taxes in Canada, but also one of the fastest increasing tax rates. And they're calling for City Hall to get back to basics. Aaron MacArthur reports. Each one of these homes is worth about $6,000 a year to the city of Vancouver. According to one Westside advocacy group called Step Up, that's too steep. Homeowners paying too much in property taxes and receiving too little in terms of services. The question is why is Vancouver homeowner paying so much more? According to SFU finance professor Andre Pavlov, the city of Vancouver has the highest absolute value for property taxes in the country. To go along with that, taxes are going up at a record pace. Only Calgary had a higher growth rate. And so Calgary actually has very, very low property taxes. Pretty much half of what we pay. Step Up wants to know where that money is being spent. The group claims that in the city budget, only about 10% of all expenditures are on things it would consider core services. Uh, unfortunately, we're taking on too many agendas that are outside of core services. You know, the property tax budget was designed to facilitate engineering, fire, police, sidewalks, streets, potholes. It, it can't service the social agenda that many politicians have brought to the table. Critics say the data here is cherry-picked. Single-family homes account for just 15% of all Vancouver residences. The Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives says despite real estate gaining billions of dollars in value in the last two decades, property tax rates keep going down. Right now in Vancouver, sitting at less than 3%. 
what would improve things in my view is uh, to move towards a system of progressive uh, brackets in our property tax system in the same way we have in our income tax system. The city of Vancouver has trimmed the capital budget over the next four years, which should lead to reduced pressure on property taxes. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. BC is trending in the right direction when it comes to COVID-19 numbers over the past week. Take a look. We have 267 new cases. That's for three counting periods. And we tested 21,687 people. That means the positivity rate is 1.23% lower than it has been. Our total case number now sits at just over 8,900. Sadly, we've lost three more people. So that means 233 people have now died in BC. 69 people are in hospital, 22 of them in the ICU. 7,346 are considered recovered, leaving us with just over 1,300 active cases and 3,372 people in isolation. Dr. Henry was asked today about that lower positivity rate. That's in the context of we're doing a lot more testing. Um, it tells me that we are testing the people who need the test and that um, we still have relatively low rates of transmission in our community. That's important. Well, not even three weeks into the school year and the number of exposure events in B.C. schools is steadily climbing. One of the most recent incidents involving two cohorts of children at a West Vancouver elementary school. Amid rising concern and uncertainty, many families are now turning to Facebook to find the information they say they're not getting from health officials. Sarah McDonald reports. Among those waiting for hours on the North Shore Monday to be tested for COVID-19, parents and children, some of them students at the West Vancouver Elementary School that Hunter goes to. It kind of makes me a little nervous. We're only, what, two weeks into the school year? Yeah. Uh, and we've already got two classes in isolation. Hunter's parents, Coraline and Derek Gale, are keeping him home for a few days as a precaution, with students in two separate classes now confirmed by the district to be isolating. We know that there's a grade two class in isolation, and there's a grade five class in isolation as well. That information already public knowledge among a wide-reaching network of parents, including the Gales, who operate a Facebook page, sharing exposure events and test results in real time, often well before health officials. No, we're, we're not relying on Vancouver Coastal Health for information at all at this point. We are being very transparent in putting up where those exposures might have happened so that everybody knows that public health is on it. But that's not happening across the board. Vancouver Coastal Health only sharing some select exposure events publicly while working to privately notify anyone directly impacted, urging parents to trust their contact tracing process. Many aren't. As, as a mom myself, I'm, I'm terribly uneasy. Every day um, getting ready for school is, is anxiety provoking. Because of the page I have created, I know that it can happen anytime. Kathy Marlis operates another case tracking page with thousands of followers and engagement from parents from all over the province. Um, I'll, I'll keep doing this, I guess, until, you know, the government starts providing that information on their own. With no outbreaks yet reported at any BC schools, some families are finding themselves faced with a tough call to keep kids home from class or not, as confusion and concern rises right alongside the case count. Sarah McDonald, Global News. 
It's the end of the line for CERB, which means millions of Canadians are now moving to a new program. The CERB served more than 8 million people over the last six months, and most who received it will be rolled into EI, which has been expanded. Those who don't qualify but still cannot work during the pandemic can apply for one of three temporary programs, the Canada Recovery Benefit, the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit, and a caregiving benefit. Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou was back in a Vancouver court today where her lawyers are arguing the U.S. government omitted or misstated facts to Canadian officials ahead of Meng's December 2018 arrest at YVR. Rumina Dea has the details. More than half a dozen members of the media were stuck outside B.C. Supreme Court in line all morning, covering the proceedings via phone. While we were told there's no room in courtroom 55 because of social distancing, several members of the Chinese consulate were given access. An electronic monitoring bracelet is still strapped to Meng Wanzhou's ankle as part of her bail conditions. The Huawei executive's legal team is accusing the U.S. of cherry-picking evidence in an attempt to get Canada to extradite Meng. This is not a runaway train motion. In an attempt to delay the process, Meng's lawyer Scott Fenton told Associate Chief Justice Heather Holmes. Meng is accused in the U.S. of fraud and conspiracy to commit bank fraud. The allegations... Meng misrepresented Huawei's relationship with Skycom to HSBC, allegedly putting the bank at risk of violating U.S. sanctions against Iran. Fenton told the court Meng disclosed all information the bank required. Meng says she's innocent. She and Huawei have denied all allegations. I think the hearings today were an important step in, um, in establishing the extent to which the uh, Trump administration uh, fed a steady stream of fake news about um, Meng Wanzhou to Canadian authorities and um, have abused the uh, Canadian legal system. Fenton argued the misrepresentations by the U.S. are so serious it could justify a stay in proceedings. Lawyers for the Attorney General of Canada are expected to get to the crux of their argument Tuesday. A decision on extradition isn't expected until next year. Romina Dea, Global News. Vancouver police are investigating a frightening incident in the Strathcona neighborhood. Several reports of a man with a chainsaw threatening and chasing people early Sunday evening. What witnesses say started it all and why the suspect has been released from custody in just over a minute. A grisly encounter in a Squamish neighborhood. How residents reacted later on the news hour. Plus. Real stupid, 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 stupid. Inside Webster's World, Jack's impact on journalism here at BCTV as we celebrate 60 years of television. That's still to come. Right now, though, people living in Vancouver's Strathcona neighborhood are on heightened alert after a man was seen chasing and threatening people with a chainsaw. That's just the latest frightening incident at or near the park recently and comes just two weeks after a loaded semi-automatic weapon was discovered. Grace Key reports. This cell phone video shows a man speaking to a woman at Pryor and Hawks before walking back to Strathcona Park homeless encampment and he's carrying 
a chainsaw. I had um, some residents come to me in, in a state because some guy came at them with a chainsaw. This is just another escalation of what we are dealing with in Strathcona. A neighbor ran to take the video after the man is alleged to have chased several people with the chainsaw. It happened around 6 o'clock Sunday evening. Police say they went into the park to make an arrest. The suspect was wearing different clothing and no chainsaw was recovered. Witnesses couldn't say for sure that that was the same man that was doing the threatening. Uh, so that man was released pending further investigation. Earlier this month, a loaded semi-automatic rifle was found near the park. On another occasion, a seriously injured man was lying on the ground unconscious for several hours before 911 was called. Police say he was assaulted. Every week is something else. The escalation is real and it's happening and we encourage our political leaders to step up and do their jobs. In response to the increased level of violence, neighbors plan to hold a rally at 7.30 Tuesday morning along Pryor Street, demanding government action on the encampment. Grace Key, Global News. Well, at this point, it appears no one was hurt after shots were fired between two cars on a busy street in Delta. It happened at around 2.30 near 120th Street and 82nd Avenue in North Delta. Police have recovered multiple bullet casings from the scene and are interviewing witnesses, looking for a description of the individuals and vehicles involved. Traffic through the area is expected to be affected for some time, and police are asking any witnesses or drivers with dash cam footage of the incident to contact them. Unfortunately, uh, it was a very high risk situation. Uh, middle of the day, number of people out and about, beautiful weather today. Uh, it's absolutely not the kind of thing we want to uh, see happen here, of course. Uh, fortunately, we've not received any reports of any injuries or victims in relation to that incident. So that is something we're thankful for. Just ahead, vandals strike SkyTrain. No, it's not a harmless prank. The graffiti that took several cars out of service coming up. Plus, car buyers beware the scam that could leave you stranded. Tow truck is on scene to a stalled vehicle eastbound at the west end of the Portman Bridge in the right through lane. Traffic is slow from the Cape Horn Interchange. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and Real Canadian Superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the stall at the Portman Bridge. Well, the fall is a popular time to purchase a vehicle, and it turns out because of the COVID-19 pandemic, many potential buyers are looking for deals online. Unfortunately, the online shopping world is where fraudsters love to target unsuspecting consumers. With more on that, let's bring in our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea. And well, Sophie, it turns out thousands of consumers across North America have fallen for this scam. In fact, the Better Business Bureau says the losses from the virtual vehicle vendor scam have cost victims millions of dollars across the continent. And unfortunately, it continues to grow. 
The Better Business Bureau says since the pandemic, more and more consumers are turning to sites like Kijiji, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, even Auto Trader to purchase a vehicle. The problem is some of those great online deals have been posted by scammers to lure in potential buyers and steal their money. Fraudsters are using the pandemic as an excuse telling victims they can't meet in person with the seller. Instead, the victim, which is a potential buyer in this case, is instructed to send money to a supposed third-party broker, typically by wire transfer, to hold the money while the vehicle is shipped to the victim to inspect. The victim is also told that if they are not satisfied with the vehicle, they can get their money back. However, the money goes straight to the scammers. The vehicle never arrives, and that third-party company or shipping company holding your funds is fake. One of the key red flags with this particular scam is that the seller is going to tell you that you, they can't see you in person and you can't inspect the vehicle in person and that you, they, you should go and use an escrow company that they are recommending to you. So when you see those kinds of signs, you know automatically that you might want to take a double, a double check on that, different, on that specific company before you give over your money. And the Better Business Bureau says victims are losing on average $5,100 to the scam and says major investigations have connected this fraud to Romanian organized crime groups. The BBB says the best way to protect yourself is to inspect the vehicle in person before you hand over your money, do your research and read reviews and watch out for an asking price that is lower than the market value of the vehicle. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks, Anne. TransLink is trying to get to the bottom of a troubling act of vandalism overnight Saturday on the Millennium Line. Someone managed to almost completely cover several cars with graffiti. TransLink says the trains were parked on an elevated guideway at the time behind a security fence and were not easy to access. Unfortunately, we do come across situations where uh, trains are spray painted with graffiti. Um, having said that, it's been a long time since we've come across uh, an incident where a train has been spray painted gra- with graffiti uh, to this extent. Um, at this point in the investigation, it's still very early, so we're, uh, we are unsure whether it was one suspect or multiple suspects who did the graffiti, uh, but that's something that we will find out. Transit police are asking for anyone who might recognize the graffiti to contact them. They're also reviewing security footage to see if the vandals were caught on camera. A quick-thinking cab driver helps catch a high-risk sex offender. All I did is my duty as a, a citizen. What tipped him off when a suspicious passenger flagged him down? Plus, Donald Trump's tax bill. A new report reveals how little the president has been paid. 60 years of bringing you the stories that shape our history. 60 years of Global BC. In partnership with Connect Hearing, your hearing is important. Take care of it. Once again, over a police incident in North Delta that has Scott Road blocked in both directions between 80th and 82nd Streets. Traffic can get by on 124th as an alternate route. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a police incident in North Delta. We're hearing today from the Vancouver Island cab driver who helped police catch 
uh, fugitive high-risk sex offender Scott Jones. Jones has a lengthy and violent criminal history and had been the subject of a string of public warnings and a Canada-wide arrest warrant since being declared unlawfully at large on Friday. Brad McLeod reports. All I did is my duty as a, a citizen. Mohammed Rashid is being modest. He just helped catch 56-year-old Scott Jones, convicted of rape and attempted rape of three young girls in 1982. Then, when on parole five years later, was charged with another three counts of sexual assault with a weapon. Though he's been deemed a dangerous offender, on Friday, Victoria Police reported he was unlawfully at large. There was no sign of the predator with a proven record of reoffending until Mohammed Rashid's cab was flagged down at Craigflower and Admirals. On the meandering cab ride, Rashid was asked to go to a car dealership so the man could buy a vehicle. The dealer was closed. Rashid was then asked if he could buy clothes for the man at the superstore in Langford. Then he started, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I police looking for me. Then I decided yeah, to call the police for him. Western RCMP Constable Megan Massey was the first to respond. He knew I was there. He looked at me and continued on fiddling with the lighter and he was burning the plastic and then burning the interior upholstery of the vehicle. The officer smashed a window and apprehended Jones. But Rashid will be out of work until his burned and smashed cab gets repaired. It's worth it, you know, to get a guy, dangerous guy, out of the street. Scott Jones was on his 10th day of day parole when he went missing. Corrections Canada said in a statement, by law, all offenders, even those with a dangerous offender designation, must be considered for some form of conditional release. After learning he may have stopped Jones from reoffending, I think all the good citizens of everywhere in Canada, they will do the same thing I did to protect this country from bad people. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Now to the U.S. election. The first presidential debate is tomorrow night. And on the eve of that long-anticipated showdown, a New York Times report about President Trump's taxes has added a highly charged new talking point. The presidential candidates preparing for their first debate tomorrow night. I am looking very forward to the debate. President Trump will face pressing new questions about his taxes after the New York Times reported he paid just $750 in federal income taxes in 2016 and 17 and no federal income tax in 10 of the previous 15 years. It's fake news. It's totally fake news. Made up fake. President Trump still bucking decades of tradition by refusing to release his tax returns while he's under audit. NBC News has not independently reviewed the 20 years worth of records the New York Times obtained. But according to the paper, the Trump business empire reported losing more money than it made, using those losses to avoid paying taxes. Joe Biden's campaign releasing a new video comparing taxes paid by teachers, fire fighters and nurses to the president's some voters voicing frustration to all the working people for the people that do pay their taxes others unswayed president donald trump is one of the best presidents that i've seen ever the new york times also reporting that over the next four years more than 300 million dollars in loans the president has personally guaranteed will come due it's unclear to whom he owes that money to whom 
different countries, what is the leverage they have? So for me, this is a national security question. A Trump organization attorney telling NBC News the Times investigation is riddled with gross inaccuracies, noting the president has paid tens of millions of dollars in personal taxes to the federal government. In Cleveland, Alice Barr, NBC News. In health matters tonight, Ontario has reached a grim milestone as that province reports the highest daily COVID-19 case count since the beginning of the pandemic. Today's numbers, they're deeply concerning. And our health officials are telling us that Ontario is now in the second wave of COVID-19. Health officials say in the last day there have been 700 new infections, breaking the previous high of 624 cases in one day back in April. There was one COVID-19-related death over the past 24 hours. Nearly half of those new cases are in people between the ages of 20 to 39. Still to come, a surprise visitor to a Squamish neighborhood. And then just threw his body at the door. How residents responded when a grizzly came to town. Plus, a photo challenge focusing on beautiful BC. What organizers want you to showcase next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A campaign that's challenging British Columbians to build a huge new database of BC's natural wonders is coming close to a milestone. The BC Parks Foundation is asking people to take pictures of animals, plants and insects and post them online. Linda Aylesworth has the details, including the ingenious app that gives people immediate feedback. For Alyssa Reyes, keeping fit during the pandemic has meant getting outside more often. I started to cycle, go for walks with friends. I think that's been something really fun that has been a nice positive. She's also added nature photography to her activity list. It's fun and it's a way to contribute to BC's big nature challenge. What you do is you use the iNaturalist app um, and you would just take a photo. It's really easy. The app iNaturalist will use its artificial intelligence to scan the photo and it will suggest, based on uh, its scan of that photo, several different species IDs. Which is a great way to learn the names of the flora and fauna around us. But it's about much more than that, because all the entries become part of a database. We're seeing massive declines in, in mammals, birds and all kinds of populations all around the world. And by knowing what we have and where they are and when they're there, we're able to manage them a lot better. It was the BC Parks Foundation's idea to utilize the existing iNaturalist app, which takes advantage of eager citizen scientists like Alyssa. If we tried to pay researchers to go out and, and collect that data, we'd just never get it. But we've got over 26 million visits to just our parks in BC. Since BC's Big Nature Challenge started earlier this year, over 900,000 observations have been sent in. We would like to get a million observations this year to catalog as much biodiversity, as many species as possible that people see all across British Columbia. For me, it's, it's giving back to the community. It's contributing to science. It's incredible to see that, that we've all come together to help. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. 
Very cool. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon to see uh, mm-hmm. what the weather will be like for us to go outside and snap some pictures. Christy? Well, it's be perfect weather, actually, over the next several days. This is the scene out there right now, Sophie. Picture perfect as the sun makes its way down. We're expecting sunshine right through until Sunday, everyone. So lots to look forward to. Quick look, though. The earlier today, this photo from Ted Field, he works for us. A bit of fog. And where we're seeing sort of protected areas without wind, we are seeing some fog development and that's normal for this time of year so you may see that again tomorrow morning but it will clear quickly and you'll be left with sunshine not only that but warmth yes temperatures away from the water flirting with record-breaking conditions over the next two days near the water you can expect 20 degrees that's not record-breaking but it's certainly well above seasonal and we'll see that right through the weekend even though the temperatures start to drop a little bit but still terrific conditions and that's the case in through the central Okanagan so lots of summer-like conditions on the way, except for those of you across the north coast. One more day of rainfall on the way before that shifts north of your region tomorrow evening. And yes, you'll see sunshine on Wednesday as well. One problem is, with this big upper-level ridge, there is a chance, still some smoke and fires in California, that we could see some of that smoke move up towards us on Wednesday. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty in that forecast, but there's a chance. So tune in again tomorrow, and I'll have an update on that. In the meantime, enjoy the sunshine tomorrow. North coast, you'll see that on Wednesday. That'll shift north of your region tomorrow evening. But sunshine and warmth across the region through the day tomorrow. So Metro Vancouver a range from 20 to 26 degrees and we'll see that for the next two days. And you will enjoy right through the weekend it looks like unless we see a little bit of smoke. And I'll leave you with your central windows weather window for tonight. Yes! Little guy out enjoying the sunshine or he might be an older guy as well. I'm not sure. Lexi Fontaine sending us that one from the Fraser River. Looks very refreshing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Christy. People in Squamish are breathing a little easier now that a huge grizzly bear has been removed from their area. The bear was spotted in the Eagle Run area of Brackendale and was also seen closer to downtown Squamish. Conservation officers say the bear was about 30 years old and 700 pounds. Greg McCauley, who shot video and still photos of the bear, says it was acting rather aggressively. When it got to our neighbor's house again, it started sniffing the air and it walked over to his door, his front door. He all of a sudden started making, you know, these groaning sounds and then just threw his body at the door and like his paws and there's this big bang. So I started yelling at the bear to try and distract it and it wandered off across the street and went to our neighbor's house and when it got to our neighbor's yard it went in the back and we could see trees shaking and and then uh, it took her fence down and went into the next neighbor's (laughs) yikes the bear was tracked by conservation officers who tranquilized it on sunday night they say for the bear to be in the neighborhood it must have found a source of food and they're reminding everyone to be careful with their garbage. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm glad I live in an apartment. Because <laughs> I don't think bears yet have figured out how to work elevators. No. What if? But when they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you never, you just go in and you make sure the door closes. You don't let anyone in to your apartment building. <laughs> and not bears. What do you have, Squire? Well, we're going to talk. Uh, there are more little rumors about Markstrom and the Canucks and their negotiations. We'll talk a bit about that. Update you on the uh, Stanley Cup game tonight. Seahawks, another 
Incredible win yesterday. They are 3-0. The last time they were 3-0, I think they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> we'll talk about that. All right, thank you. And later, must-see TV, the man who made politicians squirm as we celebrate 60 years of broadcasting. All right, Squire. Yes. Goalie drama? Well, um, yeah. Uh, It won't be too long, actually, before we know if the Canucks are going to re-sign Jacob Markstrom or let him go to free agency and give the starter's job to the much cheaper right now, Thatcher Demko. Markstrom is not going to come cheap. He's coming off a great year. He's in his 30s now, so this is his best and probably last chance to get a long-term contract for big money. The latest rumor we have heard, and it's just a rumor, it's not coming from Markstrom people or the Canucks, but someone who's around them, is that Markstrom would like $7 million a year. That's the starting number. If that is true, if it is true, I would have to think that would be too much for the Vancouver Canucks. But we'll see. Free agency starts on October 9th. And we'll see tonight if Nikita Kucherov and the Lightning get the Stanley Cup handed to them. This is a good start. Braden Point getting his own rebound and scoring in the first period. That gave Tampa Bay a 1-0 lead. It's late in the second, and the Lightning now have it at 2-0. But as we know, Dallas is good at coming back. To Baltimore and a big battle between Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. But Mahomes has stolen the show, at least in the first half. Scores a touchdown by himself here. Then goes underhanded with the pass to Anthony Sherman. They're scoring in every conceivable way the Chiefs are in the first half. Here he goes to the end zone for Tyreek Hill. Perfectly placed ball. And then someone left McCole Hardman wide open. So Mahomes decides to take that one too. 27-10 at halftime for uh, Kansas City. Now the Seattle Seahawks have started this season 3-0. The last time they started 3-0, they won the Super Bowl. And their last two wins this year were decided late in the fourth quarter. Winning close games is something the Seattle Seahawks have been doing rather well for a while. What's, what's great about our club in that situation is, is the mentality. And it starts with, it starts with, with me, but it, it filters right through to all of the coaches and the players. And fortunately, Russell's on our team, and Russell's brain just will not accept anything but coming through and finishing a win. Just get it away before the play clock expires. Wilson looking for somewhere to go. This one is this sounds kind of sick, but I kind of like it like that. And so um, we're ready for those situations, and we're mentally prepared for that to happen so that when it does, it ain't no big deal. We just go out and do things right and try to win it. To the clay of Paris, a little later in the year, so a bit colder for the players. Felix Oje Aliassime, number 19, coming in. Yoshihito Nishioka is his opponent, and he was tough on Felix, although Felix was also toughing himself a lot of errors today into the net there, and he would lose this in straight sets. So he is already out of the French Open. But on the women's side, Quebec's Leila Annie Fernandez, 18 years old, did pull an upset against number 31 Magna Lynette of Poland. She lost the first set 6-1, but Fernandez came back and won. 6-2, 6-3, to win in three sets. There you go.
Well done, Squire. Oh, thank you very much. All right, let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks very much, Sophie. Warm weather this week prompting a warning to be prepared if you plan to head to the backcountry. North Shore Rescue called out to an injured hiker. The volunteers say people still aren't getting the message and many assume conditions in the mountains will be the same as at the beach, leading to serious consequences and a record-breaking number of rescues. We'll have that story and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11, Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. Well, he was the king of Vancouver's airwaves, and I don't mean Chris Galis. The genius of Jack Webster, next. BC's 60th anniversary in partnership with Connect Hearing, the number one physician-referred hearing provider. Well, in tonight's look back on our 60 years of being on air, we bring you the story of arguably one of the best-known broadcasters to be heard in B.C., Jack Webster was called the King of Vancouver Airwaves. And at the age of 60, when many are thinking about retirement, Webster moved his show from radio to television. It became the must-see show on the West Coast. Squire now with Jack Webster, the man and the legend. In case you've forgotten, my name is Webster, Jack Webster. Nobody who ever crossed paths or watched Jack Webster or listened to him on radio We'll ever forget him. He was basically a force of nature. That was one of the real stupid things the Bennett government did and still plan to do. Real stupid, 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 stupid. Jack was a, a personality you could only see from the air. I mean, he was huge. He, and uh, But he also had this um, unbeatable sense of justice. And he had a, a real understanding of the little guy. It must identify with the ordinary people. They're the people that matter. What are they going to be talking about tonight? That's what should be on the air. It shouldn't be necessarily esoteric nonsense. Webster started as a newspaper reporter in Scotland and then Vancouver. And his unflinching pursuit of truth made him one of the most trusted people in B.C. Webster. Thank you very much. When he moved to talk radio, his profile rose. So it seemed only natural he'd be a success when he took his act to television. You are prepared to wipe out the body house section of the criminal code and legalize brothels. Jack, what I'm saying is... You that haven't answered one question you, this morning, no, yes or no. no. Are you going to give me an opportunity to answer the question? Yes, I am. Okay. What we I'm ended up by putting that show on the air and it was an instant, absolute instant success. Everybody who was anybody came on Jack's show, and it wasn't just politicians and newsmakers. Save up your money, keep off the rocks, and you'll always have tobacco in your old tobacco box. Oh! Jack! I don't get entranced that easy, except with you. I'm finding myself absolutely mesmerized. As a matter of fact. his extraordinary personality. Thank you very much. You know who you remind me of? Don't tell me. A cross between Archie Bunker and my father. And he started to sweat like I've never seen him sweat. And I'm like, okay, all right, can we stop for a minute? Because, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. You, you bring out the most extraordinarily maternal instincts in me. But nothing was quite as mesmerizing as when Pierre Trudeau and Webster matched wits. Good farm this morning, sir? Uh, yeah, no. No, not good farm. No, 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 I would nice see you. They had some fantastic interviews, and Jack would lose sleep over it for days before they happened. David Lewis said of you, of your government, that you have a bureaucratic megalomania. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Do you plead guilty? 
Uh, I plead ignorance. What does it mean? It means the country is run by civil servants and not by politicians. Well, all right, then why is everybody mad at me? <laughs> Webster and the Prime Minister, after the break. Do you think Trudeau liked them? Yes, I do, actually. I do. I think because I think that they they were both powerful, enigmatic personalities. And uh, they kind of had a huge respect for each other. Jack, I'll make a deal. Okay. You and I retire together, okay? When you get out of this game, I'll get out. Thank you, sir. Trudeau left politics three years before Jack left his TV show. He was awarded the Order of Canada. He left us all in 1999 from a life that left a huge impact, not just on his vocation, but on the province of B.C. as well. Eventually, when I go to that great broadcasting studio in the sky in the year 2020, they're going to find it very difficult to replace old man Webster. Charged in connection with the longest hostage-taking incident. Tomorrow night, we will take you to the 1970s and the top stories of that decade from the infamous B.C. Penn hostage-taking and riot. It was a turbulent time in our history. We still haven't replaced. There is no replacement for Jack no. Webster. No, he was he was a one-off. Yeah, he sure basically. was. <laughs> the great to see that old tape of him. All right, uh, Christy, final word on the weather and a nice one. Yeah, it's pretty simple, the weather forecast this week. Sunshine right through until Sunday, it looks like. Tomorrow and Wednesday will likely be the warmest, and we start to cool off a little bit as we head towards the weekend, but not much. Still really nice and summer-like out there. Uh, one thing I just want to note, that there's a chance we could see some smoke on Wednesday. There's uncertainty with the smoke uh, computer forecast, so we'll be watching that very closely tomorrow, so you'll want to tune back in. All right. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.